Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Chicago's Legal Latte, a series of podcasts brought to you by Lavelle Law Limited. Throughout this series, the attorneys from Lavelle Law will share their answers to questions about a variety of topics for individuals and small businesses. To participate in today's discussion, you can email us at podcast at lavellelaw.com. As we are just a few weeks into the new year, it uh, presents a, a great opportunity to discuss some of the new laws that have been or potentially will be enacted this year. Uh, hi, everybody. This is Jim Mitchell. And, you know, on the podcast, each year around this time, we, we take a look at various law changes. Um, and in the past, we've broken it down into different categories. Uh, we've looked at just general laws across the board. We've talked about tax law changes when they've been prevalent, um, family law issues, uh, something we took a look at last year. And in, in our case today, we're going to talk about laws related to DUIs, as there, uh, there seem to have been some changes there. Now, to assist me is a great resource for criminal issues, including DUIs and, and other driving-related charges, Attorney James Dore of Lavelle Law. Uh, James, always able to provide great input. He provides clarity on these issues. Uh, so it's a, a pleasure to have him back and be able to talk about this this week. So, James, Happy New Year. Nice to talk to you again. Thanks for being here. Yeah, thanks, Jim. It's great to be back. Now, I, I like to talk, you know, as I said, there about these new new laws, but sometimes people don't know what new is relative to the old. So before we start, can you give me a quick primer on, on what the baseline law had been here in Illinois up to this point regarding DUIs? First of all, has the legal limit changed at all in terms of a DUI? No, the legal limit remains the same as uh, .08 is considered uh, impairment uh, under the statute. So okay. the legal definition would be point, point zero eight, and that's pretty standard across uh, the United States. Yeah, I think it has been for some time as well now, right? Right, right. That that, that itself hasn't changed, and um, basically the same with, with uh, penalties for uh, first offenders. And for maybe for this discussion, this, this show we'll talk about first offenders as, uh, as it relates to the new DUI uh, laws and provisions. Okay. So we're going to talk about, as you just mentioned, some changes, but... Uh, before we get to that, you mentioned first-time offenders. In Illinois here, first-time right. offender, what would they normally face if if stopped for a DUI in terms of penalty? Okay. Uh, for there, there are basically two things we need to be concerned about. Uh, for a first offender, um, that's important to be uh, classified as a first offender because your length of suspension um, depends on whether or not they classify as a first offender. So for suspension purposes... If you haven't received any dispositions in the past five years for a DUI, you're considered a first offender for those purposes, for the length of the suspension only. Okay. Um, now, for the criminal charge of DUI, if you've had a prior supervision or uh, reduction to a reckless driving or anything along those lines, you're not considered a first offender for the statute for the misdemeanor. So you would be sentenced as, ho- as though you have uh, a prior DUI disposition. Okay. Okay. So it's okay. important to note those dis- those distinctions because one time we're talking at one time we're talking about suspensions and length of suspensions. Another time we're talking about the penalties that can be imposed by a judge in a circuit court system. So independent from the Secretary of State's office. Got it. And and is that suspension with a first time offender? Is that the standard now that, that that's an automatic? If 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 found uh, guilty. If no, it's it's based upon the arrest, not a finding of guilt in in the court of law. 
It's based okay. upon the arrest itself. So if you're arrested for a DUI and you're asked to submit to a, a chemical test, let's just say a breathalyzer at, at the police station. Now, if you submit to that breath test and it's over the legal limit of 0 .08, you'd be facing a suspension of six months. And if you refuse to take that breathalyzer, you'd be facing a suspension period of one year. And that's Got the it. first offense. Okay. okay. Now, that's standard. Now, there are some changes this year, and one of them is, is fairly significant for that first offender, and, and it, it, I guess it deals with sort of options uh, r r related to that suspension. So what, what's new in 2016? Uh, well, the, 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 the best news out there for the motorist is if you've been arrested for a DUI, now under the old law, you can get some driving relief from the Secretary of State's office, and that was in the form of an MDDP, uh, which is a, essentially a, a driving permit allowing you to drive uh, basically 24-7. Uh, it used to be for work purposes, uh, but now they allow you to drive as long as you have a breathalyzer or a BAID device, a uh, breath ignition interlock device in your vehicle. Um, under the old law, you had to wait till the 31st day of your suspension before you can drive on that. So say your six-month suspension, you can only drive for five of the six months. But now they've essentially strip that out of the statute. There's no waiting period till the 31st day anymore. So the first day you're eligible for a uh, MDDP, you can drive on it right away, first day of your suspension. Interesting. Um, and, and tell me a little bit about the MDDP. Um, how, how does that get issued? Is, that, um, is there a process behind that then? Uh, the process, right. It's, it's through the Secretary of State's office. Um, mm -hmm. in, in the past, these permits, they were called judicial driving permits uh, a while ago, and they were issued in the circuit courts. Now everything is done through the Secretary of State's office. So the, um, the, the MDDP that we're talking about is a monitoring device driving permit that allows a motorist to drive as long as they have that um, BAID device, which is the breath alcohol ignition interlock device. I know this is a lot to throw at you, Jim, but uh, no, this is great. Um, a lot, a lot of acronyms, but it really, you know, essentially that just means you have to have the interlock device on your ignition. So um, you have to demonstrate that you could uh, blow underneath, under the well, under the legal limit in order to start your vehicle, in order to yeah, keep so your vehicle. Yeah, and those devices are, are, you know, very interesting, and it, it certainly seems to solve a bit of a problem here in terms of keeping, you know, drivers off the road who shouldn't be there. Um, are, are these things getting to be fairly common now, and, and, and how efficient are they? I mean, I assume you're familiar with them. Tell me a little bit about the device. They're, they're becoming more common. Uh, the technology is, is, is slowly improving. Um, they're very, very buggy in, at the beginning, and a lot of motorists still uh, encounter problems with these devices. Believe me, if I can uh, find a way for my client not to have one installed in the vehicle, I will go ahead and do that. But uh, mm -hmm. for some people, that's the only way they can get any sort of driving relief. So uh, in those terms, it's welcome relief. Um, it's welcome relief that people don't have to wait that until that 31st day. You know, obviously people can continue on with their lives of working and, and making sure their children get to school and whatnot. So um, mm -hmm. it's important relief for the motorist. Yeah, int very interesting and, and I think very helpful. We're we're talking with attorney James Dorr of LaFell Law today about um, some changes here in Illinois laws regarding DUIs. And um, I started with some basic DUI questions, which reminds me to suggest that you visit LaFellLaw.com to see James's video on the basics of a DUI stop uh, that we did a couple of months ago, um, very helpful video that's up on the website now. Um, it's, it's one of a growing 
library of videos that uh, the firm has on that very very comprehensive website, and um, includes uh, as well a number of articles written by James and, and others. Um, so a lot of information on the various practice areas. Now, first of all, we talked about these changes for 2016. Were these effective January 1, or are they coming later in the year? Uh, normally, they're they're all uh, at the beginning of the year. So most of these, everything I'm talking to you about today took effect in January of this year. Okay. Um, so so the paid device and the NDDP um, uh, are, are one change. What else has taken place regarding DUI laws? Uh, there's another step involved now in terms of the stop itself. Is that correct? Uh, when it came to, I think uh, the, the warning to motorists is one of the things I wanted to point out. The um, it's it's a subtle change, but it's something that's out there. Um, when a motorist is arrested for a DUI and taken to the police station uh, and asked to submit to a breathalyzer, there's a warning that must be read by the police officer to that motorist before asking that person to consent to the breath test. Okay, and that document's called a warning to motorist. Now, the it became a way to challenge some of these suspensions on the basis that the warning wasn't properly read to the motorist. Okay, So one of the things that the legislatures decided to do is put it in the statute where when the officer reads that warning to motorist, the motorist himself is then asked to sign that document as acknowledging that they've been read that document. Okay. Hmm. Um, so it's one of the things I wanted to point out because I could yeah. I could see in the future this is uh, some potential litigation will surround this yeah. issue of whether yeah. it was read or not and yeah. you know, what well, the signature it, lack of a signature will mean. Yeah, it, and it's funny you mention that because whenever I, I talk to colleagues of yours about new laws, one of the things that the conversation always seems to lead to is, okay, it's a new law. We're going to see how it plays out because somebody's going to challenge some aspect of it. And and the, what comes to mind for me is as we talk about this is. If an officer thinks that someone is potentially intoxicated enough that they shouldn't be driving and they, they read this message uh, in, in lieu of the of the test, it would seem to me that the person might not be clear-headed enough to know what they're signing. So do you do you anticipate that that's the type of challenge it, it might see down the road then? It, not necessarily in those cases. The, the, the case law has been very unkind towards the, the defendant in these cases when it comes down to actually understanding the warning that's read to you. Um, mm-hmm. the, the statutes are simply, you know, officer, the arresting officer needs to read this document to you. They don't, it's not in the statute where you actually have to understand the document or it be read in a language you understand. I mean, it's, there's, it's just simply the officer needs to read this document to you. And uh-huh. now they just added another portion where, after he reads this document, then the motorist is asked to sign it, acknowledging that the officer read it to them. So, um, okay. And, well, it's, it's funny because you also have the you know the breathalyzer, and the and the motorist can refuse that. Now you have this this warning that they sign. Can they refuse to sign it? Is there a, a provision at all for what happens then? Sure, it's it, they can refuse to sign it, and then the officer just simply makes a notation on there that the you know, motorist refused to sign the document. Okay. Okay. Well, we're we're kind of getting near the end here, and I, I know there's a couple other things to talk about. And, and one of the things that I still tend to see every once in a while are some some articles in the paper about someone who's been arrested for the sixth or seventh or eighth or whatever number DUI. Um, and I know that there's certain things that happen after a certain number. Is there there a change in that after what the fourth or fifth this year now? Something new? 
There is, Jim, and it is, it's the fourth DUI. Before uh, the beginning of this year, uh, it was a lifetime ban on, on obtaining any sort of driving relief from the Secretary of State's office. Now, even after your fourth disposition, you can petition for driving relief and ultimately obtain a driver's license. Uh, so it's a, it's a good it's good news for people out there who weren't otherwise eligible. Now in 2016, they will be eligible. So the magic number would be four on that one. Okay. And again, just to reiterate what I think I heard you say earlier, it, it seems, and I don't know if this is all you know, relatively new, but over time it, it sounds like more of the responsibility and administration of these areas go through the Secretary of State's office these days, and, and that's where a lot of this information is going to be available for people who want to find out more or who have to deal with it? That's true. That's true. Much of the licensing issues that we're taking care of in court are, have been uh, pushed back over towards the Secretary of State as a proper arena to, uh, as far as licensing. So things like the the driving permits we discussed and those bade devices and, and driving relief post-DUI, that's all back with the Secretary of State, and, and that's, that's, where, that's where the game's played. Yeah. Okay. And and just, uh, you know, I always like to kind of refer this back to, to you and your colleagues and in terms of the work you do. Does does that make uh, defending a client easier, more difficult, um, any specific change as to how you can help someone in these situations? Uh, well, it, like I just pointed out with that with fourth disposition, now people can actually, you know, obtain some relief. So I can help people with those with the with otherwise would not have been able to obtain any relief prior to this year. So yes, I, I can help a lot of people who have uh, that fourth DUI. Um, it, it would have otherwise prohibited them from uh, getting driving relief. Now they can actually seek that relief. Excellent. Um, well, as I said at the beginning, always informative and uh, a great resource for information when uh, James Dorr joins us. So I want to thank him for being here today. Uh, certainly appreciate his time and, and look forward to talking with him again. Thank you, James, for being here. And uh, certainly want to take time to thank everyone who took time to listen today. Always, always uh, a pleasure to have folks here. To find out more, whenever we've got guests like this, you want to follow up, you can reach um, the attorneys at 847-705-7555. LavelleLaw.com is another place to get uh, information on various practice groups, including criminal defense, and uh, pick up, as I mentioned, some of those videos and articles. Uh, A lot of information there, LavelleLaw.com. Thank you for joining us for this edition of Chicago's Legal Latte. If you have any questions or topics for a future episode, please call Lavelle Law Limited at 847-705-7555 or email us at podcast at lavellelaw.com.